0: This is Yeah! That Soccer Show, your one-stop shop for all your soccer coverage in Greenville and the upstate. We want this show to be driven by you, so make sure you send us an email at Show at gmail.com or hit us up on Twitter at YTSSPodcast. Now, let's get to the show. Welcome in, everybody, to episode number 62. Wow, I almost forgot how to do that. Had to check the notes just to make sure we were on the same page there. Episode 62. Listen, it has been uh, a hot minute since we have had a podcast because, hey, guess what? It's been a hot minute since we've had anything to talk about, but we are back. Welcome back to Yeah, That Soccer Show uh, today, we're going to be talking about USL League One's return to play in the midst of a pandemic, what that looks like, uh, what the this 2020 season might hold in store for us. And then we will, of course, preview the game this coming Saturday against Fort Lauderdale CF, which is uh, it's still going to take some getting used to. The club de football is uh, not a natural thing to say when referring to teams here in the States, uh, but that's who we're playing. So uh, let's jump right in today to talk about the USL League One announcing how this season is going to look, the return to play. Now, they did this on July 2nd, and I'm going to run down everything that they released and go over it in detail But I will preface here at the top that we are going to dive in. The second story we dive into is uh, probably going to mean that most of this will have to be changed in some form or fashion. But this is just what they have laid out initially. So the USL league office uh, announced a 20 game season for uh, each team. Uh, each team will face 10 of 11 teams, uh, ten of the 11 other teams in the league. So you have one team, one opponent that is going to be omitted currently for Greenville. That is the New England Revolution 2 team. That may change, uh, but that is the team that we would not play at all. You are going to play a regional rival four times, two home and two away. That is to reduce the travel for obvious reasons. In the midst of a pandemic, they want to... Uh, lessen that impact as much as they possibly can, then you will have a home and away series with seven other clubs. And if you have gotten all of your fingers out to be counting these teams, that means there's two clubs left that you are supposed to play. And those two clubs, you would play one team at home and one team away. That gives everybody 10 home matches, 10 away matches. Like I said, one opponent is omitted for Greenville, New England Revolution 2 as it stands now. And our regional rival is the Richmond Kickers. Right, that makes all the sense in the world because it's not like USL League One didn't try to establish Greenville and South Georgia Tormenta as this massive rivalry in year one. Uh, just, just to note, Tormenta's regional rival, the Chattanooga Red Wolves. Now, to me, I maybe I'm just not as clear on why they would have done this. It doesn't seem like there's that big of a difference between Greenville and Richmond being paired and Chattanooga and Richmond being paired. And if that's the case, why not pair Chattanooga with Richmond and Greenville with Tormenta because then you've got this big rivalry. Again, I don't. it, it doesn't bother me. Um, I, I assume we're probably still going to have a home and away with Tormenta, just if, if you're setting up this as the regional rivalry, uh, would have loved to have played them multiple times this year. Uh, Madison and Omaha, this new rivalry they're going to try to build out there in the Midwest. They have paired them as regional rivals, which makes a lot of sense. Um, just It was just an interesting and curious thing to me. Now, one other thing uh, they have changed for this season Every team is going to be allowed five substitutions. Now, you've seen that if you've been watching uh, the Premier League, the Bundesliga, Major League Soccer, as they have come back in. You have seen that as a change elsewhere. Unlike Major League Soccer, though, uh, USL League One is only going to stick with the 18-man roster for game day. So you're not getting any extra people on the bench. You can make up to five substitutions. Um, I think that's actually going to be a benefit to a team like Greenville, who has some depth at a couple of positions. You have some strong guys on the bench, um, possibly going to benefit some of the MLS two teams, depending on how they approach it. Uh, Miami CF uh, force, excuse me, Fort Lauderdale CF, who we'll talk about today. Uh, they don't, they don't have a roster out there that I can find, but the roster that I can find, they don't even have 18 players. Uh, so we'll see how that impacts them. But a, a team like North Texas with a lot of depth, uh, that would the five sub rule would definitely benefit them. Uh, so for the season, it's going to be single table, everybody, no conferences, no split or anything like that, but no playoffs this year. The top two finishers in the regular season will go to the championship, the week of Halloween. And, uh, Listen, I think that uh, I think that favors a team like Greenville, who has high expectations coming in the season, who has a lot of uh, chemistry rolling over from last year and continuity in terms of the roster. That's going to benefit a team like Greenville to come in and be able to say, "Look, if we can just take care of business in the regular season, get to that top two, then it's a it's a winner take all championship match. Don't have to go through a playoff and and risk." Going out on a on a bad game in in the semifinals or even in the uh, the what was supposed to be a sixteen playoff, so I, I think that that could benefit uh, benefit Greenville in that sense. So that was the announcement at the first part of July, July second. Then less than a week later, July eighth, the league announces Toronto FC two has withdrawn from the twenty twenty season. Um, basically, Canada's. Provisions and, and things they've put in place would uh, make it almost impossible for Toronto to uh, welcome in teams uh, to play up there in Toronto. And then they wouldn't want to have to travel 100% of the time. Uh, and honestly, I'm not even sure how it would affect their travel in and out of the country. So they have opted to to bounce. So that leaves us with 11 teams. Um, obviously, you know, Toronto was somebody's regional rival that they were supposed to play four times. Toronto was somebody's, uh, omitted club that they weren't supposed to play, but then everyone else was supposed to play them twice. So I don't know, in, including Greenville, we were supposed to play Toronto twice. So I don't know how this is going to shift things up. I think that's probably the reason you haven't gotten the full schedule yet, even though we're Now on Wednesday, we're only three days out from the first matches, the first week of matches. They haven't released the rest of the schedule beyond this weekend. And I think that's probably the reason. I don't think they were expecting that. I mean, they clearly weren't when they announced the plan six days earlier. This came up after that point and I'm sure has thrown everyone at the league office for uh, a curveball that they are trying to sort through the best way they know how. Look, here's the deal. None of this is ideal. Um, this, the the way the schedule is, the way we're, who your regional rival is, who you're not getting to play. I mean, we're, we're not getting to play a brand new team. That's kind of sad at the way it's laid out, at least. Um, it's not ideal, but again, this is the world we live in and and we're going to get some soccer back. We're going to be able to cheer for our team. And look, I'll just say this: this is this is just a preface. I don't want to get too deep into the the politics of this or the the ideology of this. Um, I think we can all agree: health and safety of the the team, the coaches, the staff of the Triumph, and then the fans who would maybe come to a game if that was available. That is all of the utmost importance. Um, is playing soccer games right now, the the smartest thing to do, the the honest truth is, I don't know. Um, You know, I think, uh, I think we've seen it done well in places where the testing has been strict and they've been able to basically not have any outbreaks or any problems. Um, MLS had some issues coming into the bubble. They don't seem to have had any issues since they've been in the bubble. So is that working? Maybe. Uh, again, hard to say. It just depends on your viewpoint and your, uh, how you're approaching it. Uh, that being said, a team like the Greenville Triumph, a local team, a Division Three team, is living and dying on playing games and having fans in the stands a lot of times. Uh, I think Greenville is in a unique position that we have a, a good community here. We have a good ownership group. We have good community partners that I don't think, um, if they don't have any fans this season, I don't think it's going to cause people to lose their jobs necessarily or cause the team to fold at all. Uh, Other teams in this league, I don't know if that's true. Um, So, uh, again, you're talking about the livelihoods of players, coaches, staff. I don't know if it's a good idea. (laughs) but it's happening. So it's happening and we're going to talk about it. Uh, I am going to support them as much as I can by lending my voice here on the podcast, lending my writing abilities over at gvlsoccer.com, uh buying merch when I can, buying a ticket to the the match against COVID, uh, trying to do the things that this team is wanting to do to to grow the brand. I mean, that's that's almost as valuable as as having fans and stands when we can't do that. Uh, and I think that's something the tribe have done really well during this, uh, these down months. I think they've done a good job of raising goodwill, raising their visibility. I've seen them talked about plenty of times on the nightly news, Uh, over the last several months as they've done the match to triumph and, and some of the other initiatives. And as they're getting ready to relaunch, there's been a lot of discussion about this team, maybe more so than there would have been if we had baseball and basketball and hockey and all these other things going on at the same time. So that's all I'm going to say about it. We'll move on. Uh, But, uh, but anyway, so here we are, Toronto's out. So how does this going to affect the plans going forward? My, I hope that we will hear something uh, before the weekend, before, uh, we get to match one, so we know, hey, after this is over, what's what's the next thing? Um, in terms of the rest of the season, the league has laid out some health and safety protocols. there there's, I think it's close to forty pages. Of protocols, a lot of it is in the weeds. I won't go into most of the logistical stuff for the team and the players and the organizations. Uh, one thing I will say is they are doing they are doing weekly testing. I think that's uh, that's pretty great. Again, for organizations at this level that don't have the the resources necessarily to test every day or twice or three times a week, being able to do it every week seems like a great. A, a great uh, benchmark. It, it's it's better than, than nothing for sure. It's better than just doing uh, ancillary testing. So I think that's a pretty good uh, a pretty good standard. They have certain tr- travel protocols as teams are traveling either via bus or via plane, and they're different depending on which one they are. There's all kinds of things laid out. But the thing I wanted to talk the most about is the fan provisions, and that is if teams in working with their state and local authorities determine that they would like to try to have some fans come to matches this year, what would that look like? So here's some things that I think would be important for us to notice. Again, I don't know anything. I don't know if Greenville is going to have fans. I don't know if they're going to try to open up at all. But if they do, some of the things laid out in the the policies and procedures and the protocols say, we're going to highly discourage people from tailgating, we're not going to want any marches to the match. We're going to try to schedule the ingress and egress from the stadium, scheduling people coming in, scheduling people going out, so that it's not mass entrances and mass exodus after the game. Uh, all that makes sense. I'm sure they won't be doing autographs and, and stuff like they normally do after the matches. Uh, they're gonna they're gonna have to. Uh, one of the suggestions is temperature checks at the gate. Um, having hand sanitizer and hand washing stations throughout the stadium, uh, trying to do contactless ticketing as much as possible, uh, grab and go packaged concessions. You know, again, these are just kind of obvious things that would help reduce uh, contact, the risk of spreading anything should someone be asymptomatic. Um, And then in terms of seating, uh, the league is mandating that teams submit a diagram for how they would have seating available and then try to block off seats um, so that they were unusable uh, in order to maintain the social distancing, Uh, you know, and, and from what I read, they would, they would allow families to sit together. um, But again, trying to social distance, this is a, this is a unique world we live in. Um, And so if they're able to open then this is what it's going to look like, and a lot of you may not even feel comfortable coming to the stadium. By all means, I think that's uh, completely appropriate and completely understandable. Uh, I, I'm not sure what my approach would be to it, but the great thing is we got ESPN Plus. All the games are going to be broadcast. So fire up that subscription if you let it lapse. It's it's time to uh, to check back in because we're going to have matches to watch starting Saturday. Now we're not going to have a Riot Report podcast this week. Hopefully um, I can get that fired up in a couple weeks. Might not do it next week either because I'm going to be on vacation at the beach. Uh, but hopefully in two weeks I can schedule having the Riot guys come back in. But I will say they are doing a virtual uh, watch party for the opening match on Saturday. You can check out the Reedy River Riot Facebook group um, for more information on that. And there was also an email sent out. So make sure you jump in with that because, look, we can't be together physically physically. But uh, we can still cheer our team together. So let's uh, make sure you check that out. Make sure you go check out the Reader of Riot. If you're not a member, hey, sign up. There's some great swag. The scarves this year were fantastic. And uh, and so they're doing good work. So we're going to take a real quick break here. And then when we come back, we're going to break down where the triumph stand going into 2020 and what we can expect from this game on Saturday. Welcome back into episode number 62 of Yeah That Soccer Show. Let's get into the triumph. Now, as we enter into week one of the 2020 season, year number two for the triumph, here's where we stand with the roster. We've got 19 players currently signed to the active roster, two goalkeepers, six defenders, seven, midf- seven midfielders, and four forwards. Um, going into 2020, we were coming out of the preseason. I kind of felt like we would sign a few more before the season started. Uh, and then COVID happened and the season got delayed. And I think that probably altered a lot of the plans. Maybe some of the ancillary depth pieces they were hoping to sign probably got put on the back burner. I'm not sure what they would have in terms of a, a timeline this season, deadlines for making signings from the league. I don't know any of that information at this moment, uh, but I would think Greenville probably wants to have sign a couple more guys. I think we ended the year last year with 23, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but I think for sure we would want to add a third keeper, maybe, although... The reality is Dallas probably is not going to have international duty at this point uh, for this year. I would want to add another defender. Um, I feel like we've got six guys back there, but uh, you're playing four. You're starting four guys in the system we run almost always. So you've got two depth pieces. I I would think we would want maybe another defender. Um, I feel like we're probably pretty good up top. Wouldn't hurt to have another midfielder. Uh, yeah, so that's that's kind of where we stand going into the first game. Now let's turn the page to this Saturday, July eighteenth, eight o'clock p.m. on ESPN Plus. Greenville Triumph traveling to Florida to take on Fort Lauderdale Club de Football at Lockhart Stadium. Uh, Here's a couple things I have to watch for, because if we're being honest, we're playing a brand new expansion team that doesn't have much of a roster out there in the ether. And in fact, one of their bigger names, Breck Shea, got signed to go play for Inter-Miami during this uh, hiatus. So they lost probably one of their marquee pieces for the team. And I imagine you're going to have some guys from Miami come down to Fort Lauderdale. You might have a Fort Lauderdale player or two go up I, although i th- I think that's probably less likely to happen. And here's the other thing. A lot of the MLS teams took some of their USL championship players with them into the bubble because um, they were allowed to have, you know a, an expanded roster. I don't know, I can't find anywhere where there is a list of who the individual teams brought with them. There's a chance that Miami took some of the the better pieces. From this Fort Lauderdale team, with them into the bubble, just as depth for this MLS's back tournament, and I don't, I don't know, I don't know the answer to that. There's, there's some players. In fact, uh, one of the players we're going to talk about uh, here in a minute that has some MLS experience. I wouldn't be surprised if he's not playing on Saturday because he's in the bubble. Because anybody in that bubble is not coming to play in this game. So here's a couple things to watch for. Uh, first off, year two expectations have they shifted? Greenville Triumph uh, during the preseason were coming in with a lot of hype, a lot of expectations of this is probably one of the favorites, if not the favorite team to win the league for 2020. Um, Me personally, I don't think those expectations have shifted very much. If anything, I think a layoff like this has is only going to benefit a team that already has some built-in chemistry, already has some uh, roster continuity from, yeah, October of last year was the last time these guys played a competitive match. And, you know, some of these other teams that had a lot of turnover or a brand-new team, they don't have that. They haven't played a competitive match yet. And so in this condensed season with this long layoff, I think Greenville – has a chance to get off to a really hot start here. Um, I, I think you could see some of the better teams close the gap towards the end, but I think the teams you're going to see be good in USL league one this year are going to be the teams that have some of that continuity from last year. I think uh, Chattanooga Red Wolves are going to be a, a, a good, a good player. I think forward Madison's going to be good. Uh, I think Tormenta is going to be up there uh, again. And I think Richmond is going to be much improved with a new, a uh, new coach. So I think some of these teams that were well-established last year, uh, particularly ones that are not two-teams, B-teams, because those teams just have so much turnover and so much youth, uh, I, I think some of these more established independent teams are going to gonna be the ones that are going to be the cream of the crop this season. So we'll see. I think towards the end of the season, some of those better teams will, will catch up with Greenville, but I think Greenville has a chance to start off very, very hot. Um, I'm wanting to watch the what the broadcast is like on Saturday. Uh, you've, you've seen a lot of the... The matches in in England and in MLS uh, over the last couple of weeks, some of them have had fake crowd noise. I think there's zero chance we have fake crowd noise for uh, USL League One. Uh, but what's it going to be like with no fans there? That is going to be something to watch. How does it feel? Does it does it feel? Different in any way. I, I'm interested to see what the broadcast is like. And then uh, one thing, if you've watched matches as teams have come back, as leagues have come back, early on, usually the first couple matches, there's some real sloppy play. And I'll be interested to see what the first half of Saturday night looks like. Is, is it just... Coming up to match fitness, coming up to game speed a little bit. Is there going to be a lot of sloppy? Will that benefit Greenville And honest, in, in all honesty, because I think our defense is very good. I don't foresee us l- giving up a, a silly goal early, especially with a, a new team. But uh, I think maybe their slow, slow play. At working back up to match speed uh, could benefit Greenville if if Jake or Lachlan or even Alex Morell can get in there and, and poach a goal early. That would be a huge huge start to the season. A couple of key people to keep an eye out for for Inter Miami first is a name that should be familiar to all of you: Ricky Lopez Espen who started last season playing with Lansing Ignite. In fact, he was the first player to ever score a goal at Legacy Early Field when Lansing opened, uh, helped us with our home opener. He scored the goal first, and then we came back and notched two in to get the victory. Uh, Ricky's mouth tends to get him in trouble, got him in trouble during that game, uh, from which he wound up serving a suspension And I don't know if it was attitude issues, but eventually he was cut from Lansing. So I think he's a guy that's got a little bit of a delicate temperament. I think a a strong back line. His former teammate Brandon Fricky back there will will certainly know uh, Ricky's tendencies and be able to maybe... uh, frustrate him on Saturday and we'll see if he uh, we'll see if we can get maybe a card or maybe two cards for Mr. Mr. Lopez Espen in this game and and see if we can uh, grind on him a little bit uh, on his nerves on Saturday night. Uh, another player you should know Eduardo Sosa midfielder for Inter Miami comes with some major league soccer experience played with the Columbus crew. Uh, I think this guy is going to be a, a key piece to whatever Miami winds up doing this year. He is in the midfield, so that is, you, you know, midfielders are a lot of times the heart and soul of the team. I think he's going to contribute to them. And again, there's there's a non-zero chance that he may actually be in the bubble with Inter-Miami. I don't know that. Uh, I haven't been able to find any of that information. But uh, if he's out there Saturday, he's definitely one to, to keep an eye on. And the other person I wanted to mention is their head coach, Jason Kreiss. Um, if you follow MLS, you may know Jason Kreiss. He played in the league, um, but he was a, a, the head coach for Real Salt Lake. He was the head coach for New York City FC. He was a re- head coach for uh, Orlando City. He signed to be the academy director for Enter Miami, which has kind of hand-in-hand Made him the head coach of this team. I don't know if those two jobs are the same necessarily. He's got some shared responsibility there, certainly, uh, but he's got so he's got a job as the academy director for Inter Miami, as the head coach for Fort Lauderdale CF, and as the head coach for the US U twenty three men's national team that this summer was supposed to be playing in the Olympics. Obviously, that has not happened. Uh, that will probably be bumped to next year, but. Uh, you know he's he's gonna he's got to be spread a little thin. He certainly comes into League One with uh, perhaps the best coaching resume of any coach in the history of the league up to this point. Uh, so be interesting to watch him and see what he does with a team of developmental guys, a lot of them, a team of younger guys, and some some pieces that are added to that. Uh, it makes me feel like. Inter-Miami is not taking this team lightly. This is not an afterthought like it is in in Orlando and in Toronto even. It does feel like maybe that kind of signing and that kind of name coach is is someone that uh, they want to see things out of Fort Lauderdale. They want to see some production. They want to see competing in matches, competing in the league, um, and really, really developing players. So I think, uh, I think it's going to be, it'll be interesting to see him in this league. That being said, first match for this team, first match for this collection of guys, uh, first match after a long, long hiatus for a lot of folks. I, I don't, I don't foresee them having a lot of success going up against arguably one of, if not the best team in the league. Uh, I've got a predicted lineup for Saturday with, uh, some, some oars. I don't know if you've ever seen, a starting lineup sheets for college football but a lot of times they have the this person or this person or this person all listed as starter i've got two oars on my chart i think we're gonna run a four two three one ish formation uh obviously got dallas in the goal uh, on the back line from uh from right to left you got abdi muhammad brandon frickey evan lee And then uh, I have Tyler Bullock penciled in as a starter, although I think Trevor Schwartz could be competing for that position. I've got him in parentheses. I really think Tyler's probably going to get the start, um, but I wouldn't be surprised to see Trevor run out there to start the match. Uh, Then two, I have them as defensive-ish midfielders, uh, Paul Klaus and Aaron Walker. I think Paul really is kind of a defensive midfielder. Aaron's more of uh, an an eight. He's kind of more of a central midfielder. Um, He will drop back and defend if he needs to, but he he does press up a little bit too. And then uh, your three advancing midfielders, we've got Alex Morrell, Carlos Gomez, Omar Muhammad. And then up top, I have Jake penciled in to start, although... I do think Lachlan McLean has a chance to get a start here. He has. uh, He did some great things in preseason. I heard a rumor that he may have scored a goal against the Independents this past weekend. I don't know anything about that uh, match except for I did hear a rumbling about him potentially having scored a goal. So that and and you all know if you listen to preseason, you all know Lachlan. That's my guy. I'm locked in with Lachlan. That is my new motto. So uh, I would love to to see him get some some game time in this match, whether it's starting or or coming in as a sub with with some significant minutes towards the end, or even maybe shifting shifting this uh, formation to a, to a four four two. Or one thing we saw in the preseason match against the Independents is Jake out on the left wing and Lachlan playing up top. Wouldn't be surprised to see that either. Again, this team, the the biggest problem uh, that I think Greenville has is they've got an abundance of talent, and it's hard to get uh, a, a quote-unquote best 11 on the field because you've got guys that are so good. There's there's not a clear cut, here's the best 11 guys, and then we've got some depth pieces. There, there really are, I mean, I would say there's probably – 14-ish starting level players, maybe 15 starting level players on this team. And that includes our backup goalkeeper, Paul Christensen. I mean, he could start for a lot of League One teams. So, you know, it it's really, it's really tough to say who's gonna play and who's gonna start. But that's that's just my that's my go-to lineup for now. We'll see what they do coming out. Um, in terms of a prediction, look, I think uh I think Greenville is going to I do think the sloppy start to begin with will benefit Greenville. I think it makes you get them get a goal early, uh, maybe get one right around halftime, either just before the halftime whistle or right after, uh, and then I would say uh, getting another one in the 75th-minute area and and maybe bring on a bunch of subs, get some guys some playing time. But I see them riding it out and getting a 3-0 victory over Inter-Miami this Saturday. But who knows? Problem is, the first game of the season, especially with uh, the circumstances being what they are here, it's really anyone's guess. I don't think anybody has any solid ideas or information on what it's going to look like, except for, I don't know, throw a dart, see where it lands. I'm landing on three nil. Where are you landing? Uh, tweet me at YTSS podcast on Twitter. Let me know your thoughts. I want to know your score predictions uh, before we get into the match. Uh, I think this year I'm going to maybe try to do, especially if, if we don't have uh, fans and attendance in Greenville, I'm going to try to do maybe some pregame and halftime, Periscopes. I probably will not do that this week because I'm going to be on vacation, but uh, in the future, I will f- set up the logistics for that and let you know what that looks like because I think that could be, be be fun. I did that the first year for Greenville FC, and it was a little fun, but I, I think it could be a, a cool new added element we have here to the Yeah That Soccer Show, gvlsoccer.com sphere. So, Hey, thanks for tuning in this week. Again, we will next week. I'm not sure what it looks like. I'm going to try to maybe, uh, record something. It might be very, very short. And again, it just depends on, do we get a schedule? Do we know if we even have games a week from this Saturday? I don't know. We'll just have to see. Um, but until next time, thanks for tuning in.